0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, By Faith, in which we look at the role that taking steps of faith plays in our relationship with God. Here's Pastor Nick.
1: Because this challenge is going to make us depend on God. It's going to put us in a place of dependence. It's going to force us to trust in him. And that will be good for us. I was talking to another pastor friend. You know, when we were praying about this building and we saw this opportunity opened up, we were getting ready to sign the lease. I called up a good friend of mine. He's been a pastor longer than I have. And uh, he told me something really interesting. You know what he said? He said, wow, you know what? Um, He gave me some advice, but then he kind of finished our conversation by saying this. Honestly, I'm a bit jealous of you guys. And I said, what do you mean you're a bit jealous? I mean, this guy, uh, you know, they've got a large ministry and they're able to, they've got a lot of resources. And the kind of thing that some people would aspire to. And he says, you know what, I'm jealous of where you guys are at. You know why? He says, in my time as a pastor, there have been... Three times when I led my church through really big steps of faith, right? Big stretches, big challenges. And he said, every time I did that, those were the times when I, right, him speaking, when he says, when I and our church really grew spiritually Those were the times when we really grew together as a fellowship, right? And he says, in some ways, those were the hardest times I've been through in ministry. And yet, in some ways, they were the most joyous times I've ever been through in ministry because we would be there and we're like... This is big. How are we going to do this? This is beyond us, right? What, what did we get ourselves into, right? But then they would come together. They would pray. They would seek the Lord together. They would pull together, and they would be seeking the Lord, fighting together for something that actually mattered, right? Something that they believed in. And as they did, they were drawing closer to God, and God was bringing them together as a body. And he said, you know what? Seeing your situation, hearing where you guys are at at Whitefields, that reminds me of that and he said i'm 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 praying This is what he said. I'm praying that God would give us another step of faith to take. I want to know, God, what's the next big thing? The next big thing that's beyond us, that's a stretch, that's a challenge. I want something like that because I've been through it and I've seen that those are the times when you really grow. Those are the times when it really draws us to the Lord and together because then we get to see God be faithful. It's exciting. He says, you know, it's like a muscle. When you work out a muscle, it's uncomfortable. You might sweat a little. But in the end, you get stronger and you grow. And that's why James, in, the, in his letter, he begins his letter by introducing himself and the very first thing he says. So James chapter 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness will have its full effect, that you might be perfect, lacking in nothing Doesn't that seem to go against all of our sensibilities, doesn't it? To say, count it all joy when you face trials and hardships. Count it all joy? Like, are you delusional? Are Are you not in touch with reality? So I should count it joy when I lose my job. I should count it joy when I'm stressing out and not knowing how to pay my rent next month. James says, Yes, you're not rejoicing in the bad thing. What you're rejoicing in is the fact that this challenge, this difficulty, this trial, it is bread for you. It is food for your faith. It is something that will force you to depend on God and seek him and rely on him and and trust in him, right? That trial is food that feeds your relationship with God. And guys, I just want to tell you this. My, one of my biggest prayers is that through this whole coronavirus situation and the upheaval, but also moving into this building, you know what my prayer is? That these things would be used by God for his glory and for our good and for the good of so many people. My prayer is that we as a church would end up, as a result of this, more connected than we were before. More com- more connected as a community and more dedicated to serving the broader community at large and getting the message of the gospel out to them. You, you know what I've been seeing as we've gone through this for the last couple weeks? I have been seeing exactly that. I've been seeing more people praying than I did before. I've seen more people connecting intentionally with each other. I have been seeing more people looking for and seeking out ways that they can serve others. See, as we're faced right now as a society with the reality of mortality— I have seen more people praying for the salvation of their loved ones and for the salvation of people in their community than I saw before. And that encourages me. It reminds me of what Paul the Apostle said in his letter to the Philippians. You know, he's writing from prison. Keep that in mind. And here's what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served the furtherance of the gospel. What? What? Here's a guy in prison suffering persecution, suffering injustice, and he says, chained up, he says, I want you to know everything that's happened to me has served the furtherance of the gospel. Wow. I want us to have that same outlook on what we're going through right now. You know what? Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, there are restrictions on our movement. Yes, as a church, we can't gather physically. But you know what? There are some incredible opportunities hidden in this difficulty if we will respond by faith. God can use these things greatly, both in our lives and for the furtherance of the gospel. So may we see this situation with the eyes of faith. May we see with the eyes of faith and be looking for how God wants to use this for good and for his purposes. So challenges, trials, uncomfortable situations, you know what they are? They are bread for us. They are opportunities for us to exercise faith and grow. And, And in that sense, you know what? We need these things. We need these things. They're like bread for us. It helps us be healthy and grow and be strong in our relationship with God. And that brings us to the second heading that I want to talk to you about that we see from our text here, and that's this. The key to spiritual vitality. The key to spiritual vitality. Now, fast forward with me from Numbers 14, 45 years into the future, into the story of Joshua. That's where we, we read earlier, Joshua chapter 14. See, here's what happened. Back in Numbers 14, despite Joshua's plea that they trust the Lord enough to do what he says, that they enter the promised land, the people voted. Democracy won the day, and they said, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go into the promised land. They respond in fear rather than in faith, and as a result, for 38 years, they wander in the wilderness until that entire generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, dies in the wilderness. And so then the new generation is born. And and by the way, Deuteronomy is a speech that Moses gave to the new generation before he died. Okay, so in the book of Joshua, we read the story of how the new generation led by Joshua crosses the Jordan River on the eastern border of the promised land. They enter the land of Canaan. Again, this is the story that Joshua tells us, the conquest of the land. And they're in the land. They face one battle after another, you know, for five years until they finally get established in the land. And yet, even though they're established in the land, there are still large parts of the land that are still uh, unconquered. And so starting in Joshua 14, what we read there is that Joshua has divided the land of Canaan up into 12 parts, and he's assigning the parts of the land to each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And those tribes are then left with the responsibility to go in and take possession of the the part that is assigned to their tribe. And, and, you know, of course, some parts of the land are going to be easier to occupy than others. There's some parts of the land where the fighting's already been done. You just need to stay in the land and occupy. There are other parts of the land, though, where it's not going to be easy, right? There's fortified cities with warrior tribes who live in those places. And so Joshua tells Caleb, Caleb, you get to pick first because you're the elder statesman here. You were around back when we, you know, you and me, we were the two spies who are still left alive. And so, just imagine this scene, right? They're probably in a tent somewhere. They've got a map all laid out, divided into 12 sections. And Joshua tells Caleb, okay, Caleb, you get to pick first. Any area you want, it's yours. He could have picked the Mediterranean coast, right? Not a lot of battles to be fought. Nice beaches. You can just go and sit at the sea all the time. Kind of a nice place to retire when you're Caleb's age, right? Surely he would want a place like that. Or maybe the oasis of Engedi, you know, kind of like a beautiful place where there's lots of fresh water, lots of animals around there, just a nice place. Or maybe the shores of the Sea of Galilee where there's rich soil to be planted and there's uh, plenty of fish and a beautiful place and not a lot of battles to be fought, But look at what Caleb says, the land that he chooses, starting in verse 10. He says, Behold, this day I am 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then. For war and for coming and going. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. Where for you on that day heard how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord is with me and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. So rather than choosing a portion of land that would be easy or uninhabited, or where the battles were already taken place, right, where there was already done, Caleb chooses literally the most difficult, challenging part of the entire country. Those giants he's talking about, the sons of Anakim, those are the same ones that scared off the 10 spies back in Numbers chapter 14. And Caleb looks at that and says, that's the place I want. That's where I want to go. Give me that land. I want to take some people down there, and I want to fight those giants. Why? Why would Caleb choose the most challenging point on the entire map? Why would he choose something hard, given the choice? In his old age, doesn't he want to retire? Doesn't he want to take it easy, kick back? Hasn't he done enough fighting already? Hi, everyone. Pastor Nick here from Whitefields Church in Longmont, and we are excited to announce the Northern Front Range Calvary Chapel Men's Conference taking place on May 19th and 20th, Hosted at Whitefields Community Church. This year's theme is A New Man from Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. We'll begin the conference on Friday, May 19th at 6:30 p.m. with a time of worship, teaching, and fellowship, and we'll end on Saturday, early afternoon, with a steak lunch. The cost is $25 per person. Speakers include Eric Cartier, Paul Boutin, Randy Golden and spaces are limited, so register soon at whitefieldschurch.com under events. We look forward to seeing you there. Now back to today's message. Given the choice, why does he choose the most challenging part? Why not choose something at least somewhat easier? Here's why, because Caleb knew and he believed what Joshua said back in Numbers 14, verse nine. And that is this, that these challenges are bred to us. They're bred to us. We need these things. We need to step out in faith. We need these challenges. It forces us to depend on God. They are bred to us. They feed our faith. They feed our relationship with God. Caleb not only believes God's promise is still true, that God will give them the land if they will follow him by faith and trust him enough to do what he says, but Caleb believes and knows that these challenges, these steps of faith, are the key to spiritual vitality. Guys, this is why we moved out of the memorial building and took this step of faith in moving here as a congregation. Why? Because, you know what? We could have stayed in the memorial building and we were totally safe there. The cost was so low. But you know what? Rather than just take it easy and kick back and kind of coast, we want to be pushing forward. We want to seek to expand this ministry, to reach more people, to expand what we can do with youth and with teaching and with the the Bible Learning Center. We want to serve more people. We want to do more ministry. And we believe that taking steps of faith for worthy causes and fighting worthy challenges and worthy battles, that that is bred to us. It will be healthy and nourishing for us. It will keep us strong because it will keep us in a place of dependency upon God, seeking him for direction and provision, needing him to act and come through and show himself faithful. And as he does, he will get the glory and our faith will be strengthened. And guys, do you know, this is the posture of God's kingdom. You know what the posture of God's kingdom is? It's moving forward. It's moving ahead, pressing on. Paul the Apostle says this in so many places. In the third chapter of Philippians, he says, this is what I do, pressing forward to what lies ahead, right? That's his posture, pressing forward. Throughout his letters, Paul uses these kind of word pictures, right? The word picture of an athlete training for a race, The, the picture of a soldier fighting the good battle of faith, the good fight of faith. That's the posture, moving forward, um, pushing forward, you know, fighting, engaging in battle. It's active rather than passive. You know, a friend told me this week, we were talking about this topic, and he said, well, you know, That's why, if you read Ephesians 6, it says that there's this spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, right? It says certain aspects of our salvation are like armor that protects us, right? We've got a helmet of salvation. We've got a sword of the Spirit. And we've got the breastplate of righteousness. And he said, that's why it's a breastplate and not a buttplate, right? Because you need someone to cover your front and not your rear. You're moving forward, not running away. You're not standing in one place. You're moving forward. That's why you need a breastplate rather than a butt plate. I never heard anybody say that, but I thought that's brilliant. We need a breastplate, not a butt plate, because the posture of God's kingdom is pressing forward, moving forward all the time. You know, when you look at the life of David, I find it very interesting that the most vibrant, healthy time in David's life spiritually came when? When he was fighting giants, when he was running for his life. It was physically uncomfortable. At one point, he's living in a cave and someone wants to kill him. And yet this is the time we know, especially from the Psalms, that he is closest to God and his relationship with God is vibrant and strong. Uh, conversely, the lowest point in David's life spiritually came when? When he was living in a palace in luxury. It was during that time that he got himself into a lot of trouble. He committed adultery, he committed murder, he got himself caught in a web of lies. And do you know how that season began? Well, well let me read to you how it began. It's one verse uh, that we read at the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And here's what it says. In the spring of the year, at the time when kings go to battle, David sent Joab, but David remained in Jerusalem. Okay, let me just, did you catch that? At the time of year, when kings go to battle, David stayed home. David's a king, right? This is a time of year when kings go to battle. Why isn't David going to battle? Well, instead, he's staying at home with all the single ladies, right, and all the married ladies whose husbands are away for a very long time, not returning for months. Not wise, David. Not a good move. David's no longer fighting the battles that he should be fighting, and as a result, he puts himself in a place where he's facing temptation and he gets himself into all kinds of trouble. You know what the safest place for David to be would have been? In the battle in the battle. That's the safest place. In the battle, uh, there would have been dangerous for sure, but it would have been safe for his soul. And I want you to know that that's true in your life as well. For you and me, the safest place for us to be spiritually is actively engaged in the battles and fights that God has called us to fight and engage in. The battle might be difficult, the, the thing the Lord has allowed into your life. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe your current situation puts you in financial strain. Maybe, though, it might be be a battle that you choose, like Caleb chose a battle voluntarily, a challenge that you choose to engage in, whether it's a ministry that you join, whether it's someone that you decide to pray for or reach out to with the gospel, or in some other, you know, temporal way you seek to reach out to them. It's a battle you choose to fight. I want to encourage you to have the heart of Caleb to say, not only do I trust God to keep his promises and give me victory, but I welcome challenges into my life. In fact, I seek them out if they're not already coming my way, because I know that challenges like this are bred to me. Let me remind you of what I said earlier. Just as we need food to sustain our bodies and keep us healthy physically, we need challenges and steps of faith in our walk with God in order to keep us healthy spiritually. You know, Henry David Thoreau Said a man ripens until the age of thirty, and then he begins to rot. But here is here is Caleb, and he's eighty five years old, and he's like, I'm eighty five years old. I'm ready to lead a calisthenics class. I feel great. Uh, you know, who wants to go spinning? Right. Let's. The key to his vitality and the key to our spiritual vitality is this. Continue pressing on. Continue fighting that next hill. Taking that next hill. These challenges are bread to us. They are food for our faith. They keep us in a place of dependency upon God. And I want you to notice one last thing in this story. Caleb chooses the land with the giants. He chooses the most challenging place. And it says that God gave him the victory. Right? Just as God promised to do 45 years earlier. And here's what I want you to see. This place gets a new name. Formerly, it was called Kiriath Arba. Now, you might think that's just one of these details the Bible gives that nobody needs to know. Here's why it's interesting. Arba, it tells us in the text, was the greatest man of the Anakim who were the giants. In other words, this place, Kiriath, means stronghold or fortified city. This place, Kiriath Arba, the stronghold of the giant. That's what this place means. And now it gets a new name, Hebron. You know what Hebron means? Fellowship fellowship. Guys, Let's bring that home, right? Let's think about that. This giant challenge, the stronghold of the giant became the place of fellowship with God. And let me tell you what, that is true in our lives as well. The challenges that you face, the steps of faith that God places before you to take, they are bread for you. The things that you are facing right now, that great challenge, that difficulty, that thing that God has allowed in your life or that God has called you to do that you might feel unequipped for, the stronghold of the giant can become for you Hebron, the place of deep fellowship with God. The challenges you face will be bread to you if you let those challenges lead you to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. This week, my daughter fell. We were having some time outside. She was on her roller skates. She's getting, been getting a lot better, and she's been getting more confident. So she decided to go down the driveway, you know, pick up some speed, and then go out into the street. Well, as she was doing it, she lost her balance, and she fell down, and she hit her elbow, and she hit her, hit her hip, and she was bleeding a little bit, and she got hurt. And of all my kids... She is the least affectionate of all of them, but she's also the most tough. She's also maybe the most independent and strong. And maybe some of you guys can relate to that. Maybe you're a strong, independent person. Sometimes I try to hug her, and she will literally push me away and say, no thanks, right? But when she fell, something happened. We had a really special moment together. She needed her dad. And I was there for her in that moment. I sat down in the middle of that empty street in the asphalt with her. And she was hurting and I comforted her. And then I picked her up. I took her inside. I cleaned her wounds and bandaged them. And it was really nice. And a bond was created between us or at least strengthened between us in a way that wouldn't have happened and couldn't have happened had we not gone through that. Had she not gotten hurt. Now she's going to be just fine but as her dad, right, I don't like to see her in pain. But if you were to ask me, was it worth it? Was it worth it for her to fall and get hurt and and suffer the momentary pain? Was it worth it for the result of that moment that we had together and that experience of closeness that we experienced as a result i would say absolutely in fact next time she goes roller skating i'm probably going to throw some sticks on the sidewalk in front of her because it was so special and it, it doing that again would bring wondrous results to our relationship guys do you realize our heavenly father feels that way maybe you are a strong independent person maybe self sufficient might i even say proud And our Heavenly Father, look, He doesn't enjoy seeing you fall or hurt or struggle, and yet He knows these are the kinds of things that drive you into His arms. As a father, He loves that. And as a father, He's more interested in your relationship with Him than He is in making sure that you never fall. So guys, challenges, whether the ones that you take in faith as you follow God and and seek to engage in his mission and take ground for his kingdom, or whether it's the challenges that you don't choose, but God allows into your life, hardships, difficulties, they are like bread to you. Let them drive you to the bread of life, Jesus Christ. In conclusion, let me just say this. It is him. Jesus, the bread of life, our true hero. He is the one who fought the ultimate giants, the ultimate enemies of sin and death, which we were absolutely helpless against. He took on the true strongholds, right? The the giants of Satan, sin, and death on the cross so that we could be brought to the true and ultimate Hebron place, the place of fellowship with God now and forever. Jesus was forsaken by the Father so that we could experience the warmth of the father's embrace on the cross jesus took the judgment that you deserved that i deserved so that we might receive the blessings that only he deserved for what he's done how can you be sure that every storm in your life will be used by god for good here's how because the bread of life jesus christ was broken on the cross of calvary for you let's pray lord we thank you for that great truth lord that you the bread of life were broken for us. Lord, that we might be brought into fellowship with the Father. You fought the giants on our behalf. Lord, we're not the hero of our story. You are the hero. But Lord, we thank you that you place challenges in our lives um, in order to be bred to us. Lord, may you grow our faith. May you draw us into the place of fellowship with you all the more, even in the midst of the situations we're facing right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have two in-person services on Sunday mornings at 9.15 and 11 a.m. And both services are live-streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via chat to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504 or donate online at radio.com. If you would like to support Be Set Free Radio or the ministry of Whitefields Church in Longmont with a donation, you can send a chat to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado 80504, or give a financial gift online at WhitefieldsChurch.com.